Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we are your hosts for now and forevermore. <laughs> In today's episode, we're going to be having a look at whether or not gamers are entitled to feeling animosity towards developers. It is a little bit of a contentious issue, but Edward and I felt that it is worthy of discussion given how many developers at the moment have actually been responding to fans and gamers and not in a good way. And what I mean by that is the developers are doing their best, but fans seemingly are overreacting to the smallest of things, like a game being pushed you know, into a later date and then sending death threats to developers. So this is becoming somewhat of a serious issue. And so Edward and I felt that it is uh, our turn as gaming journalists to weigh in on the topic. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, Edward. <laughs> I mean, it, it just boggles the mind that something as simple as changing the way a game franchise used to look will bring on death threats and constant barrages of hate mail. It's it, something as simple as that gets me. Even pushing some delays. Um, it, it, in, uh, okay, to, 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 to rein this all in, I guess, yes, it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, Look, it's, that's it's, what it's, we're getting at. It's somewhat systemic towards yes. the gaming industry as a whole and this is a rather unfortunate because people who are outside of the gaming industry will have heard on some level about gaming toxicity and what that necessarily infers to is how when people are in online lobbies the way in which they interact with each other whether mm. that is through a racial slur or um, you know homophobia or, or there's there's a variety of different things in which for some strange reason there are cretins out there who feel that because they have a form of anonymity provided to them through a gaming username that they now have the opportunity to say whatever it is that they feel regardless of consequence. But of course, mm. that couldn't be further from the truth. Because, you know, having an avatar or having a gamer tag does not necessarily provide full-on anonymity, first of all. And secondly, you know, it, it, it does belong to a greater discussion from a, you know, a social psychology perspective of why people feel the need or feel the ability to speak freely right yeah. and that might not be the, the the correct term here but to speak without worrying about consequence and yeah. you know what we essentially mean by that is within modern society for the most part in you know western and eastern hemispheres we have respect for well we would like to hope we have respect for each human being right regardless mm -hmm. of your beliefs or how you identify it, it's irrelevant you know you should have love and respect for your neighbor and for the people around you unfortunately of course we live in a world where that doesn't exist unanimously there are people out there who would choose to rather push an agenda in a certain way because of whatever belief that they have that they believe is you know 
best above all, right? And therefore, yeah. they will try and push those beliefs onto others. And if people push back against it, then all of a sudden, that's when, you know, fighting occurs and, and so on and so forth. Maybe I'm, 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 you know, being a little, I'm not trying to be purposefully vague. The, the reason why I'm speaking about it in such a, um, like, overarching term is because this is a very nuanced subject. It's not yeah. black and white. It's not cut and paste. You know, uh, the, the issues that, that are faced within the video games industry which we're seeing sort of sort of you know filter through to social media where developers are being attacked by gamers has been present for decades now and yeah. you know with all due respect developers have tried their best to curb these things you know um you know Xbox and PlayStation all have report functions where you can actually report people who say horrible things and so on and so forth it's still very much a problem today and so when we look at, you know, do gamers have a right to feel animosity towards developers for a game day changing or um, a new remaster changing the look of a character or, you know, a, a character's sexuality becomes revealed at a later stage, there is a certain level of, there is a certain degree where, yes, a gamer can feel some sort of animosity toward developers. But for a lot of what we see today, 90% of it is has no founding, has no base. It's just People toxic. are just, yes, they're just being toxic for because they can or because they're so narrow-sighted or have a, a system of beliefs that, that means that they're ostracizing a lot of other people and other people's means of life and so on and so forth. So it's, it's a very nuanced um, sort of, uh, it's a very the answer is nuanced to this yeah. question and i think edward and i are going to do our best to try and unpack this as much as possible of course we're human we're not perfect and you know maybe there'll be a lot of things that we'll miss in today's episode but if you're willing to join us on this journey as we speak about you know toxicity in video games whether it's playing games or even outside video games within the circles of social media and just friendships you know, we mm. want to have a look at it from a grand scale and then offer opinions on how, you know, what we think in terms of, you know, are certain, uh, you know, points that are brought up that gamers have about certain games valid? Or is it really all just toxic and everybody just needs to go back to their basement? <laughs> Touch some grass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually really dislike that saying. I know, I grass. know. I don't, can we just talk about that just for a moment? I know that, that this is now a bit of a derail, but it bothers me so much because when I see these, uh, some of which are gamers as well, and I suppose it's because it's become very much a meme at this point, but the whole, the whole concept of touch some grass is actually very stereotypical towards who and what it means to be a gamer. So yeah. for the longest period of time, and actually maybe this is a good starting point of um, the discussion where we can talk about what it means to be a gamer and how the stereotype has sort of evolved over time and, and why today when people try and have an opinion, it's still misconstrued. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So the, the biggest, one of the, the biggest issues with being a video gamer, at least for the longest period of time, and thankfully that narrative has definitely changed over the last decade, but it has very much been... You are this person who lives in your parents' basement and you're, 
you know, a large and sloppy and you don't bathe and all you do is sit 24 hours in front of a gaming console, TV, computer, whatever it is, and you just veg and you play games. Uh, yeah. South Park did a great way of, uh, of, of indicating and showing the stereotype of what it means to be a gamer. Now, of course, over time, that has proved to be false. Now, now the reason why I said before the whole touching grass thing annoys me is very much because of this. Because what it does is when you tell somebody, go out and touch some grass, sure, perhaps on a more modern level, you really are just being like, oh, just, you know, go outside a little bit, like, you know, you know, with the pandemic and everything, people have really been inside a lot. Okay, fine. Fair yeah. enough. But it really does go back to that stereotype where you are this troll who lives in a basement and that's all you know. And therefore, you are you have terrible, you know, uh, human contact abilities like you can't speak to people and, you know, whatever the case is. And, and in my opinion, it's a very negative expression. Go and touch some grass, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I could make other excuses for it, which, which are humorous to me, such as the fact that I have allergies, so I wouldn't want to do that. But I'm not going <laughs> to go into, I'm not really going to unpack it that much. I just want <laughs> I just, I just want to have that small you know, little saying of, you know, it, it, it keeps that stereotype that gamers have sought to destroy for a very long time at alive. the edge, yes, alive and at the edge of everyone's thoughts. And for me, that makes it rather negative. That's all I really want to See, say about that. <laughs> while you were saying that, I was thinking like I'm I'm using the the phrase really ironically, okay? But I, <laughs> what what if I start liking using it? <laughs> okay, maybe I shouldn't then. No, I mean, look, look, I'm of course now un unpacking it in in of terms course. of what we're talking about right now, okay? Yeah, yeah. you know, because the the whole stereotype does exist i guess for for legitimate reasons you know there, there is that saying or the adage where there's smoke there's fire right yeah so the whole stereotype of what a gamer used to be like exists because i mean for the most part that's technically what gamers used to be like back in the day right i mean even today who's who am i kidding i love being in my my room playing video games i don't want to go outside of if course. i don't have to yeah <laughs> but <laughs> you won't see but, me outside unless i need to <laughs> But with that said, and in terms of looking at it from a modern perspective, that doesn't mean that I'm antisocial. That doesn't mean that mm. I don't go out or I go to the gym. That doesn't mean that I eat poorly. Do you, do you get what I mean? There's a lot of associated yeah. factors, negative factors that are attributed with somebody who enjoys video games. But anyway, as I mentioned before, thankfully, things have changed drastically over the last decade. Now, perhaps that was a very good base to begin with. Because yep. if we now start looking at the way some gamers are portrayed within modern media or rather in the way that gamers actually are in games, specifically online multiplayer games, you know how they have that anonymity that allows them to potentially say things in their mind without consequence. Now, to me, those are both related. So, I would almost say that it's an evolution of the stereotype where today, instead of a gamer being somebody who's antisocial and stuck in their basements, no, no, they're very much upstairs in the light, in their lounges, but now, you know, with vests, huge bulking muscles and screaming obscenities into their, their microphones. 
Yeah, pretty <laughs> do, much. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? So, so where they were once perhaps the nerds who were ridiculed, they've now become the abusive jocks. Yes. <laughs> right? Uh, that, that's actually very true in terms of proper, like, real-life physicality as well, uh, to yes. be fair. Um, yes. All, uh, this might sound derogatory, but but all the my boot friends that I, that I used to know <laughs> at school, um, they are the gamers now. Mm-hmm. They, you don't see the the, the stereotypical nerd, um, geek guy anymore. It's it's all the big guys, and all the cool the the guys that used to be cool are, um, in school. Um, now, isn't like that fascinating? So, it is. If, if we if we take it back a little bit, and let's mm. bear in mind now. We're not trying to make excuses, right? We're just trying to lay a foundation and we're going to speak about it more in depth as we go along. Yeah. So the initial stereotype of the gamer was potentially created by the jocks, right? Yeah. They were out playing sports and outside touching grass, okay? And (laughs) the the stereotypical gamer wasn't. Now, fast forward a couple of decades, we have the opposite where we now have these kinds of jock stereotypes, but they're now playing video games. So perhaps some of the toxicity that we're seeing specifically in online forums within gaming has to do with the fact that we now have a much larger pool of people from which to to draw, um, you know, samples from. And Mm -hmm. as a result, because the pool is much larger, we now have those people who think they are the alpha males, right? Which is an absolutely awful term. And also, please, and alpha females, right? Because they, they exist in, in both, well, in all alpha, whatever it is you, you identify as, right? Because it's in every gender. There's always some sort of an alpha, which is just ridiculous in its own, right? That's a yeah. topic for another another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and <The> sigma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, ligma, ligma balls. Anyway, um, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the whole the whole point about that now is just the toxicity in general, right? So now we've we've sort of given a bit of a base of where it comes from and how things have changed over time. So now we have to look at online communities. And a lot of the times, which I find is so strange, is that there's always some form of sexism and racism, as well as um I don't think homophobia is the correct term. Uh, because it would be also like transphobia. Basically, anything to do with LGBTQ, it's it's always negative, right? Bigotry. Bigotry, thank you, thank you. That That's the term, that's the term. So now we're in the state where there's this consistent... Actually, and it's not everywhere. And also, with all of that said, it's a very small percentage. It's not everyone all the time, right? It's maybe yeah. uh, 10% of whatever you experience online will be this way. And and in all fairness, again, not to make excuses for gaming, you can find this everywhere, right? Go to a comment yeah. section on YouTube and you will see 90% of what we're talking about now, right? So it's not exclusive to video games. It's actually, truth be told, become very much, an it's a form of online culture. This is what yeah, it is today. To, to be internet. online, it means you have to deal with these things, which is very unfortunate, exactly. okay? But of course, today, we're specifically speaking about gaming, so we won't, we won't uh, branch it out too much. So if we, you know, if we look at it like that and, and you know, what it's like today and the toxicity, which, which bear in mind many people do try to not be involved in and, you know, you ban the people and so on and so forth, 
it then comes down to, is there really any surprise that people are the way they are to developers and other fans and uh, publishers? No. Uh, in a way, I think it comes down to entitlement and current internet, the, the, the way the internet is at the moment, with, with, with more and more people being exposed to more and more things. I think more fan groups, and especially gamers, um, at least that's the circles I am in, so I'll notice it more. I think the, the, the levels of entitlement have shot up so much, though, so that essentially people think that they are the driving force behind the games and the arts <laughs> and the mediums and whatever, you know? Um, it, it kind of like... When you uh, come across a police officer and you're like, I pay your salary because yeah, you're a taxpayer. Exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. Um, and, but, but, but that's just, well, what you're referencing is like one example that we see on the internet of, of some yes. lady being a Karen. And being a Karen, yeah. But, but, but now imagine that's amplified by the millions or well, the thousands on Twitter. Okay. To one single developer, you know? So let's not necessarily pull it back, but let's relate a little bit to what we've already mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. So a big change over the last 20 years is social media. Yeah. Now, when I did my master's thesis, one of the, okay, an interesting point of anonymity, right? Was that it allowed, and specifically from a video games perspective, it allowed people to potentially open up more in terms of what they were willing to share with strangers because they knew that they couldn't potentially be found or seen or, um, you know, interacted with in a face-to-face -face manner, right? So yeah. it's easier to say something when the person's not directly in front of you. Yeah. Now, what was interesting about my research was that in addition to real relationships being formed, it was just that whole aspect of anonymity and how even if you didn't know what the person looked like, how they identified, what it doesn't, didn't matter. All of that stuff really didn't matter. It was just the other avatar on the other end of the, the game that you were playing with. You know, you mm -hmm. could form legitimate relationships. But in addition to that, like I said, the anonymity gave, gave them a um, almost like a shield that they could mm. sort of hide behind. Now, with social media, that's very much an evolution of said shield, in my personal opinion. Because what it's done is it's allowed people, everyone, to have a voice. And given how everyone has a voice, we now, if we take it a, a step back again, and we look at generations of individuals, specifically millennials and Gen Zs, we've been brought up to believe that we're all special that um, all of our voices mean something and that, uh, you know, we have, whatever we do makes a difference, right? Now, if you yeah. take those aspects and then you start thinking about the anonymity and shield provided by the digital space and social media, it is no wonder you have people who react in the way that they react. Now, I'm not saying it's right, okay? It's just that now you have an online forum where you immediately don't have to physically interact with someone, 
okay? So you have this shield up which allows you to potentially also maybe act in a way that is not uh, becoming of who you are, but, you know, like a gut reaction to something. Not that that makes it right, but you get what I'm saying, right? You understand mm -hmm. where I'm going with this. Yeah, fully. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the big side effects, specifically of social media, and with all of this in mind that we're talking about now, is very much a uh, narcissistic personality traits, where yeah. people believe that their voice means something, their actions mean are meaningful, and therefore, when they say something in an online space, because social media has given them that opportunity and avenue, it means that they feel that they have the right to say what they're saying to a person, a company, an organization, because they've been conditioned to feel and think that way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a look, it's a much, much bigger topic. Uh, I'm unfortunately not as well versed in all of these subjects as I wish I could. I mean, I am enough, um, but I don't, you know, having to really unpack all of these nuances, they're, they're big. And it's 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 a huge it's 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 a very over encompassing and nuanced um, sort of discussion. But I just want to you know make mention to certain things so we can keep moving on with with you know the actual topic of this uh, podcast, this episode. Lay the bases. Lay the bases. So you know when we look at that and we look at generational differences and we look at social media and the armor that is provided by being in a digital space you know again it is no wonder that people do and say the things that they do because there is very much a lack of accountability here you know do you, who cares about the tweet that you sent okay fine we have seen time and time again that uh, especially if you are a celebrity or a person in position of power how those things can be dug up at a later stage and uh, used against you but for the common person the person who's never going to reach the status of of millions and millions of people or followers they don't really care um, also, many yep. of them don't often use their actual identifiers. And what I mean by this yep. is often they'll just be a random photo and some name and then they just, they can say and do or whatever they want. Exactly, exactly, right? Again, this is not to say that it's right. It's just that we live in an age where people feel entitled, as Edward said, because that's really what it is. They feel entitled to give an opinion on how they're feeling, even if it was never asked for. Mm. <laughs> now, of course, there is, this is, you know, within reason, this can be effective, you know, and it's not always toxic. Yeah? I mean, a good example, um, going to film, is when the entire world bullied the Sonic makers into yes. recreating Sonic yes, yes, into yes. what it should look like. That was a good example of being okay. right. Okay, hold on. <laughs> entitled. Yeah, yeah. So 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 that now isn't that that's a fascinating such a fascinating example to bring up because mm. when the studio released the footage, everyone was like, what the hell is this? That's not Sonic. Mm. That's definitely not the Sonic anybody knows from that video games Walmart or the law Sonic. or whatever the case is, all right? Yeah. So, yes. I mean, I'm not saying the backlash was warranted, but <laughs> all but too often, too often, right? 
especially when it comes to adaptations, which we've spoken about extensively in the past. Yep. These boomers, and I'm I'm not hesitant to say that because I have very strong opinions on people over the age of 60 running the, the world. Anyway, you get these people that approve things by completely ignoring the fandom. Yeah. Now, it's not that things have to be made for the fans all the time, right? Uh, we've yeah. seen it in the past as well where uh, new games and new movies come along and they, they appease the old fans while bringing in new fans, all right? But that's a very delicate uh, balance and that doesn't often happen. Now, yeah. in this situation, what happened is, is somebody somewhere decided to just revolutionize this, this iconic character just because and spear, go forward with it. And then, of course, the world was upset about it. Because it's it's like, take imagine Mario, right? Imagine taking Mario, that everybody knows what he looks like with all of his games and animations and so on and so forth, and then turning him into a six foot five Thor-like figure and being like, yeah. that's Mario now and he speaks with an American accent. He's not a, I mean, a, a, a normal American accent. He doesn't even have I his can. Italian twang anymore. Let me that's tell you... Be- let me tell you, if no one would want to watch that movie, first of all, because that's not Mario. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, you know, again, you know, f- from that perspective, the change that resulted from the unhappiness of the masses was a good one. However, yeah. what wasn't so great was how a small percentage of the masses, you know, went to the extremes. They sent death threats to the studios. They found the artists online and tried to dox them. And, you know, so perhaps one of the the main issues here to think about or to talk about is extremism. Because mm. the masses being unhappy with something is, it's you know, it doesn't mean that everybody went ahead went to that extreme. It was only a very yeah. small percentage of the, the the overall arcing populace of fans that really went to that next level. Unless, of course, we're talking about Star Wars because everybody on Star Wars fandom is just crazy. That's, um, <laughs> and that's a can of worms on its own. Gosh dang. So, like... Something that, that I would like to just make a mention of quickly is Edward and I have spoken about this in a, a, a much earlier episode where we spoke about Game of Thrones and how the last two seasons really were not very good. And there was very big fan backlash, not to the point of extremism, but just to the point of what are you doing, HBO? Why have you have you done this? Okay. Yeah. And what was interesting about that, about that backlash, is that it wasn't to the point of, at least, at least to my knowledge, of the extremism we've talked about, but it did have a cascading effect because the the individuals who were responsible for tanking Game of Thrones lost their Star Wars contracts as a result, yep. as a direct result of the unhappy fandom. Now, bear in mind, again, you know, one can argue, you know, but you can't please everybody. But in this particular sense, it wasn't about pleasing everybody. It was about the shortcuts they took to end a show before it should have ended because they wanted to move on with a more appealing contract, which they ended up losing because the moment that Disney saw what they had done, they were like, well, we don't want you to do the same to our franchise. Exactly. Okay. The thing is, they were very much warranted in, in the backlash that they got in the yes. sense. Yes. Um, and also, it wasn't really toxic. Um, if we're speaking about toxicity, 
we had lots of toxicity for Game of Thrones way before this was even a thing. Yeah, back when yeah, that's right. When they, um, I remember for season five when when the divergence just started happening, uh, people oh, were being you mean super when the, toxic. When the direct book conversion stopped, when they exactly. didn't have any more. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then. Back then, we got toxicity in the form of, oh, no, you should wait or we're going to dox you because if you don't wait for the book to come out, then we'll be all warmongering against you. <laughs> and they went ahead and that never happened. But Of course it didn't that's, because it back was, uh, then we got meaningless. very bad hate. Exactly. Okay. So, so right, right. Now, okay, we're, so, so we've now, I feel personally, Edward and I have laid a pretty decent foundation of what we're talking about here. So the question yeah. again of do gamers have a right to feel animosity towards developers? So... I want to speak about mm. that from a personal perspective, all right? I thoroughly enjoy Apex Legends. I am a mm. huge fan. I play mm. it almost daily. I just thoroughly enjoy the game. I have uh, family and friends who I play with all the time. And I just really enjoy it. Yeah, But the game is so broken. It is so broken. One of the characters that I main, Aloba, has been broken the entire season. Now, generally, a season goes for about, I stand to be corrected, but I think it's three months. I think it's three months a season, okay? And she has been broken since the last season started, and we are already halfway through the season. And she hasn't been fixed. So that means that my character that I main, that I really enjoy playing, is broken. Yeah. So what am I to do? I have to either you know, continue playing or not play anymore. Now, I don't want to not play anymore because I enjoy the game. But then I'm now upset that a developer which earns billions of dollars, okay, mm. not millions or hundred, billions of dollars is not fixing something simple in the game. So now the question yeah. is, do I have a right to feel upset about that? Yeah. Now, if, if we look at this particular game, Apex Legends, it's technically free to play. Okay? Meaning, I don't have you, no one has to pay to play. All right? But because I thoroughly enjoy the game and I enjoy it a lot, I have spent a lot of money on in game cosmetics and items because, well, I enjoy the game, so why not? Right? Now, with that said, you know, Edward, does that give me a right? to feel upset about this. I think it gives you a right <laughs> to feel upset about it. Uh, and it's warranted as well. You, you, you clearly explained why, and it's not being fixed. So obviously that's, that's a grounds to, to feel upset about something. And I think to a degree, every single fan of every single franchise are allowed their opinions and their feelings. Yeah. Um, when you're, what you're not allowed to do <laughs> is start sending death threats to the developers, you know? Yes. And going to the extremes again. Yes. Um, so, yeah, in a way, an animosity is warranted, or as long as it's warranted. I feel it's fine. So, um, you know, a, a point could be argued where, as long as it's constructive, right? Mm, but how yeah. many people are constructive in their criticism? So for for this, just I'm going to keep using this as an example, right? My experience with mm -hmm. with the game because it's the one that I can draw on and it's the one that I can make comparisons to, and maybe people can relate, or maybe they they might think that I'm just talking hogwash. But part and parcel of 
like Loba not working was also the fact that for the last three weeks, Xbox controllers on the newer systems had input lag because of Apex Legends to the point where whatever code was broken in Apex was actually affecting the entirety of the Xbox system. So if you mm. played Apex Legends and quit the game, you would then have input lag for every other game until you rebooted your console. Now, <laughs> to me, that's a huge issue. That's a huge problem. And I personally got quite upset about that. Not because the problem existed, but more so because Respawn and EA were almost completely silent on the topic. They didn't even address it to anyone. So then, you know, if I look at it from that perspective, you know, you can understand why that's actually incredibly anger-inducing. Because yeah. not only can you not play now, right, because of, uh, or your, not only is your character broken, but now you can't even play properly because the controllers are buggered. The, the game is exactly. buggering up the controls. So then well, how do you how are you meant to feel then as a as a gamer when the studios don't even want to acknowledge the issue and now mm. you're like well what can I do so of course rational thought if rational thought prevailed it would be logging on to the EA support forums and looking up and see if anybody else has an issue there and then logging your complaint or um upvoting this particular issue that that is technically the best way forward for these kinds of things because the more people who do that the higher chance of uh, the the problem being fixed right but now yeah. of course most people don't know to do that so here you are you're this gamer your controls no longer work your favorite character doesn't work so now you're just absolutely angered so what do you do you go to social media and you complain you either say something on your personal stream or you directly message the, the developer and you're like, what the F is going on? Why is this not fixed yet? It's been weeks. Now, it, I, I'm not saying that that's, <laughs> that that's the, you know, <laughs> the, the right thing to do. I'm just saying that the layman doesn't know that they are, you know, that there are procedures in place for almost all titles, right, with which to complain and escalate issues. Rather, what happens is people feel that these multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies are not listening to their problem, their particular problem, which is game breaking for the most part. In, in this particular situation, in this scenario, right? We will talk about what's happening with uh, God of War on that a bit, a bit just now, but I'm talking particularly now for like legitimate problems within video games. See, my thinking behind this is the reason why the layman goes to to social media first is not because they don't know. It's because it's the norm. Like, yeah, that's people, also very true. People have gone through the official channels, and they haven't found they haven't received anything back. People, yes. uh, and, and and I'm not talking about just Apex. Now. I'm talking about way back in general, now. but also just in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then because people aren't getting anything, it became. People started going to social media, and then they saw fixes. And now, today, presently, it, it's it's so normal for someone to just go to the support page, the EA support or the, the Apex support, and just type in there, listen, what the hell, guys, what's up? You're um, actually, I'm going to quit my... You're actually 100% correct. I, uh, and I th the, the moment mm. you said it, I realized that's what I do. My first, my first port of call is yeah. never mind whatever forum or website. It's let me go and look at the social media of the title or the developer and find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I think people are 
rightfully exerting their frustrations on the, the platform, but then that blows up. Yes. And then that, that gets worse. Well, it's as up what, until it's what the we said. That it's, it's, it's the extremist, yeah. the extremism. Yes. The, the, this very small percentage that make it unpleasant for everyone. That's the thing. You see? So I know we haven't technically answered it yet, right? Like, do you have a right to mm -hmm. feel animosity towards developers? So personally speaking, I feel it's, it's, it depends on the situation. Okay. First yeah. of all, there's never, ever, ever, okay, a valid reason for death threats, doxing, and just being an unpleasant human being. Okay? Yeah. L please, let's just make that very clear, right? There is no time for that. Nobody cares for that. And if you do that, you're being a douchebag. Okay? Plain yeah. and simple. You're, Don't you're do that. You are the problem. Okay? You are the problem. <laughs> now, for everyone else who does get a little bit angry, okay, for whatever reason you feel is valid, Sure, air it, but perhaps not, I mean, don't aim it towards the people who are behind the scenes. Now, this is th this now leads to what has recently been happening for popular titles like uh, God of War. And there was another one, Edward? Escape from Monkey Island. Escape from Monkey Island. One. Yeah. Where, if we, if we look at Escape from Monkey Island first, um... They released new images of of the remake. Now, understand, we spoke about reboots, remasters, and remakes in a previous episode. Definitely check mm -hmm. that out if you want to understand the differences between them and what we think about them. Anyway, it's a remake of a beloved 80s title. Now, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the original Monkey Island. I played that in the 90s when I was able to, uh, you know, obviously when I was learned enough to control computers and stuff, and absolutely loved the games from, um, you know, all the way back in the day. And when I saw it, I was like, that's cool. Like, I'm glad they're giving it a full-on refresh, different look. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, it's been like 30 years, right? It's exactly. okay if the game looks completely different now. Yeah. You know, whoever expected it to still look like a DOS game really needs to just uh, get off their high horse because that's just ridiculous. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> the, 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 the whole thing apparently is they've had a lot of backlash and, and now the developers have been, you know, people have been sending death threats to them just because the game now looks different to what they thought it would look like. Now, I'm and, and, sorry to say, but that's some, that's some bullshit. Like, who are yes. you? Okay, I know we, we spoke about Sonic just now, right? Mm. Where there was a, the beloved look of a character and then... But that's different. That, that is different. But 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 is it? <laughs> I feel it is. The thing is, adapting Sonic into a movie, mm. you're adapting the yes. the beloved character. Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, I mean, uh, let's put it this way: this, if the same logic applied to comic books, people would have been furious at DC and oh, Marvel. No, well, the whole of Marvel. The, the whole of Marvel. The moment because, they switched yeah. a, a superhero's costume, the yes, moment Superman yes, got yes, the yes, black yes, costume, yes. people should have. Burned down the the, the comic book um, offices, you know, uh, applying the same logic. Why didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and 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 it baffles me because people you see, are. You, you see what, what, what's what's so interesting about this? And so so okay. So I'm actually loving what you've just said. I'm loving it because mm. we've have spoken about adaptations previously, and mm. that is right on the money. 
when you take a property that people love and you adapt it to a new form of media, right? Mm. You're hoping as a fan that it remains faithful. Won't always, yeah. right? But you hope that it would. And sometimes, At least like Halo, way. it works. It works even, yes. if even if it's not faithful, all right? But that's, yeah. that's a discussion we've already had. Now, I think that is an excellent point that you brought up now with regards to Monkey Island. And that's because it's not, it's not a new medium. It's the same medium, but it's a remake. It's not a remaster. Mm-hmm. It's actually a bit of a reboot, actually. Mm. Right? If, if I understand correctly with this... With uh, this I do uh, think you're correct. It's, it's part reboot, part remake, where... They're 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 keeping the, the same basic storyline, but they're doing everything over from scratch. New yes. voice lines, new interactions. Obviously, because we're thirty years later, right? Yeah. We there are already remasters of Monkey Island. We don't want that anymore. They're now remaking it with Guybrush Threepwood, which everybody loves as a character. Okay. Yeah. He just looks a little bit different. Now. He just looks uh, different uh, now. Not not just that. He, he doesn't look different. He just the aesthetic has changed. Yes. You see, I find this interesting because we previously spoke about Final Fantasy VII, and yeah. you actually you blew my mind a little bit when you told me that the new Final Fantasy VII. Uh, what are the names? Because I've forgotten the remake. names. Is it remake? Remake and rebirth. Remake yes. and rebirth. Right. Are not just re makes of the games but they're also partial reboot slash sequels which yes is absolutely fascinating to me and yet and yet there's no hate for it at all yeah people are, are loving it and I, you know you look at that and you think to must and i just think to myself why can't they give monkey island the same treatment why are they dogging on this this game that is literally being rebooted and remade for a new audience instead of waiting and giving it a chance. Instead, all the, the cretins came out of the woodworks and decided to, you know, send death threats and be unhappy with the developers for the title. And I feel that's just so unfounded. You yeah, know? like the worst part of it all is these very same people who are sending death threats to the official the, the the founder and the creator of Monkey Island, the official first original guy who who, who made the original games, um, these very same people will go to FIFA and they'll go to Dead Space <laughs> and they'll go to wherever else and claim, no, it's the publisher's fault that we're getting a new um, the same game the again the next year. Yeah. yeah. Like, why can't we stick to the Develop uh, the creator's vision. Well, now, this is that's, why. But that's the thing. Yeah. So <laughs> if if you want to stick to the creator's vision, why are you giving the creator shit for it? <laughs> you know, you can't have it both ways. You see, now again, this this is once again a very important point to be made, right? So mm. when Sonic, I know I'm talking about the movie now again, but when Sonic was yep. revealed, and remember, first of all, adaptation, right? So we're going to a whole new, different form of media, right? Fine. Yeah. So when he was revealed, or when Sonic was revealed, there was huge uproar about it. So the studio went back, mm. changed it, and came back. Right. Mm. The interesting thing, and I of course stand to be corrected here, is that the studio had the rights to it. It wasn't that it yes. was the creator right. of Sonic who was directly no. involved in how the film would be, would would turn out. Right. The character design and so on and so forth. Perhaps he was approached for the redesign. Who knows? I'm not entirely sure. 
But what's interesting here, what Edward has exactly pointed out, is that here you have the original developer, the original yeah. person or people who created the, that game all those years ago, redoing it for a modern audience. And now people are upset with this new vision from same creator. Like it's not yeah. that it's not that some huge publisher took the game and is now deciding to do whatever they want with the property for the future, right? This is literally the same creator. It's very much like um, Oddworld and Abe's Odyssey. How the original it's, games, yeah. yes, how the original games were brought were were recently re-released, full on reboot remake, full on from the mm. ground up. Now fully three D, beautiful, and they have been so well received. The difference, though, yep. as far as I as far as I can recall, is that Lorne Lanning, the creator of Oddworld, didn't receive the death threats and the hate that uh, the creators of Monkey Island are receiving, which is which is really perplexing to me. It's crazy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> could it be a fan-based thing? I guess. Um, since since we singled see, out the Halo okay. fan base and... So, okay, you know, so... Um, I don't have enough sources on this, okay? Mm -mm. But part of me wants to possibly link age to the way ah. fan base to the to toxicity and fan bases all right mm. now it's not necessarily true that the younger a person is the more toxic they are all right yeah um but then in the same scenario it could potentially be true but might not be also that the older the gamer is the to more toxic they are as well right mm. so yeah if we if we think about the age dynamic here and we look at Actually, it could very well be that the older the the fan base, the more toxic they are. Mm, Actually, I think now, so now, well. now that I'm thinking about it, which is very sad. And I suppose oh, this this brings me back to the whole Gen Z millennial thing, right? So yeah. anyone outside of those uh, age groupings technically are a little bit more narrow-minded for the most part. And maybe a little more, yeah, you know, just just narrow minded in general to, in their beliefs and things. They shouldn't be, but they are, right? Generally speaking, mm -hmm. the older someone is, the more set in their ways they are, the more resistant to change they become, and the yeah. more you know they are linked to non progressive ways of thinking. All right. Mm. Whereas more modern generations generally are more open to the way people should be today you know we're more open to yeah. treating our our neighbors as we would treat ourselves right that's the, the yep. easiest way for me to explain it so that could very well explain why audiences like star wars uh monkey island halo are mm. or can be even call of duty can be as toxic as they are and that's because the fan base is generally or probably do lean towards being much older. We're talking 40 plus, uh, 35, 40 plus. I mean, basically, I, they don't I, want the chain. I, I'm nearing the, the, the 40 hill, right? Yeah, like we're on the cusp. But, but the thing is, thing is, when I did my, um, I, I know I always re revert back to the, the research that I did for my thesis, but it's it's still, even if it was a decade ago. I mean, I mean a, decade, no, a decade ago when I did it, the average age was 35. So if we move forward a decade, that stands to reason that the average age is more in the 40s now than it is, yeah. you know, I'm talking about for games now, but that could then potentially be applied to other forms of media as well. Like, I mean, Star Wars mm. are not new, right? 
The original films yeah, came out before I was even born. So, exactly. you know, I, so, feel, I feel a lot of those original fans were the ones who were really more upset about the newer movies. Whereas I thought the new movies were great, if I must be honest with you. Yeah. I really did. I thoroughly enjoyed Ray and Kylo Ren and so on and so forth. So, yeah, like, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you that's know, a discussion. Look, yeah. again, again, we, we would need to do more research on this to determine if yeah. age is really a factor. But just from a, an anecdotal perspective, it seems like it could be. Right. Um, but both ends of the scale. So you might have the super aging gamers who are very, very toxic, but so are the, the very, very newer ones. Right. Um, a lot of the time, sometimes you'll play a game and it'll normally be a young person screaming profanities on the other end of the mic, um, mm-hmm. as well as older people. But generally speaking, it's mostly these young people because they're online, they have the anonymity and so on and so forth. Yep. So the question do gamers have a right to feel animosity towards developers? The answer is yes. And no. And no. <laughs> or, yeah. or actually, no. The answer is yes, but not to an extreme. So the answer is, yes. is, is in general, right? People should be able to feel how they're feeling. But it's how you act upon those feelings that is what's most important. You mm. know, if somebody makes you angry, for example, how do you react to it? Do you begin shouting, screaming and hitting? Because if you if you do and you know and that's your reaction, you are in the wrong. You are in the wrong. Yeah. Okay. You can't just but, immediately go guns blazing. Exactly. Mm. But if you yeah. if you get angry and then take a moment to compose yourself and think about it and then respond in a a, a more of a relaxed way as much as possible, despite being severely angry, then it's okay. Because then you're now opening yourself towards. Um, discourse discussion around yeah. the topic versus just immediately going to an extreme and being like no this is what i believe this is what i think and nobody else can think otherwise mm-hmm. so so yes and no um also well look i suppose yes in the sense of you're entitled to feel the way you want to feel right but no in the sense of you need to be careful with how you react. But also at the same time, also, and this is a big one, this is a big one, and I find this to be quite important, is a lot of the times people focus on one person, right? So yes. so Corey Barlog is uh, the, I think is the executive director of God of War, right? Yes. And he, he oversees everything. Now, unfortunately, when the date was changed for God of War, right, which is a PlayStation exclusive, it was pushed to later in the year. He received hate mail and death threats just because he, they changed the date. So, you know, actually, no, yeah? um, it wasn't him. It was one of the female developers working on the game who got okay. all the death okay. threats. And hate mail. But, but, but hold on. Hold on. Okay. So, so what, what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is re- regardless of whether it's a well-known figure or somebody else or pin, anyone pin, else pinpointing anyone on the developer team is that's wrong is, is wrong you don't do that yeah if you want to i mean i'm not saying that, like that you should but if you want to air your grievances don't attack the developers just talk to the publisher right perhaps is what i was trying to get at or <laughs> the, just... the, the point i was trying to make was is that it's really like it's not fair to single out individuals regardless that's of who it. they are and where they are because it's, it, it's it, people need to understand that whether it's a movie or a game or a TV show, whatever, it is hundreds of people that are involved. It's never just a single person that generally makes the, unless of course you're like Jeff Bezos, but, or Elon Musk. Um, 
but we won't but yeah yeah i'm not, not i'm not advocating getting angry and shouting at those people but uh <laughs> you know that, that that's a whole different discussion I mean, where we're talking about yeah. literal billionaires with enough money to change the world who are now short short paying their staff okay that's a different scenario altogether <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> That that's maybe a topic for another day. <laughs> so so yeah. So the answer is you are entitled to your feelings, but no, mm. you should never attack. It actually, doesn't matter who it is, whether it's an individual or don't a company a or whatever. Don't be horrid. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, you know, if you want to get angry and talk about it amongst your mates, sure, but don't now go on a crusade because it helps no one. Literally, at the end of the day, all you're doing yeah. is actually making somebody else's life unbearable, which is really unfair. So yeah. for me, for example, as much as I love Apex Legends and detest electronic arts, because I, I personally believe electronic arts is the company itself now, right? So not the individuals who work for the company, because everybody needs a job at the end of the day, but the actual company itself and possibly the execs in that company are the ones who should receive the brunt of what happens to games that we thoroughly enjoy and love. That are part of that yeah. umbrella is what I'm getting at. Now, I'm not yeah. saying go and attack those execs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Please don't. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that. You know, a lot of the times as well, when it comes to these things, the hatred is aimed towards the wrong people. Yeah. You know, um, let's also not forget that, when, especially when it comes to game uh, development and design, a lot of people have had to work remotely, which has made their lives a lot uh, far more challenging over the last couple of years. Plus, we've had a pandemic to live through. So, please, you know, let's be kind. Right, that's the big yeah. message here. Be kind. Don't um, overreact about a something. I suppose as simple as a video game, which is why you should touch grass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've come full circle, Edward. <laughs> that's that, I wanted to say. That's that's a nice loop. Gosh. Uh, Edward, uh, I'm sorry, I, I've been rambling for most of this this episode. Is there anything you you want you want to add? Actually, no. Uh, you you <laughs> the way you closed that off was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for those of you who do continue to listen. Um, while I have you, I'd like to let you all know that we've crossed the three thousand listener mark um, over Ooh. the last. Uh, it's actually less than two years of doing Gettle. So thank you so much for the support. It's always very much appreciated. And um, we would love for you to continue sharing. Um, Edward, thank you again for always doing this, you know, doing this together. We, we always enjoy it. And yeah, um, thank you. with that in mind, we hope to see you again for the next episode. So until then, ciao. Bye.